1: hello everybody welcome back to another bald move prestige film today we're going to be talking about 2016's uh oscar winning monster uh it's not monster it's moonlight <laughs> it is directed by barry jenkins uh who also wrote directed and i think produced the dear white people the netflix series uh also a new miniseries, the underground railroad he got to start uh directing Melon- medicine for melancholy a romantic film uh, drama back in 2008 Screenplay also by Barry Jenkins, based on a story by Terrell Alvin McCraney uh, called In Moonlight, Black Boys Look Blue, which uh, is name checked in the film. Uh, it stars Travante Rhodes, who was in The Predator, which I haven't seen, but he also memorably pops up shirtless in a black cowboy hat smoking a cigar in season one of Westworld. I think he's in a wedding party. uh <laughs> Mm. and uh andre holland which bald new fans will probably recognize from the nick from the roanoke season of american horror story he's also been in selma uh 42 and the new netflix series passing uh janelle manet uh who showed up in hidden figures and harriet and also the live action lady and the tramp uh she's also uh, slated to be in knives out too So look for her there Ashton Sanders, uh, who's been in The Equalizer, and Judas and the Black Messiah, Jerrell Jerome, uh, who's since appeared in the Netflix miniseries When They See Us, Naomi Harris, who you might remember was a sea witch in Pirates of the Caribbean, she's penny in all the modern Craig Bond films, and she's a real piece of work in this movie, and uh, Mahershala Ali, of course, bald move fans will recognize him. From House of the Cards, True Detective Season 3. And guess what, Jim? Did you know this? Yeah, you know this because I already told you. Yeah. <laughs> Blade. Marvel's uh-huh. cast him to be the new Blade. And that's like, of course. It's a good that's, choice. That's just the uh, that's yeah, that's control C, control V casting right there. <laughs> uh Moonlight. What did you think of Moonlight?
0: Uh I'm I'm glad. This is one of those movies that makes me glad for the Academy being there, picking, picking some movies sometimes because this is a movie I almost certainly would not have seen had it not been for the fact that it won best picture uh, the year that it was nominated Um, and that it was nominated at all. Right? Like I I would not have even known to seek this movie out, but I really enjoyed it. Um, I don't have a ton to relate to in this movie. Like I'm not gay, I'm definitely not black. Um, I, I don't know how that life goes, but there is some sort of unifying uh trauma here or u- unifying like adversity here with just being different. And I think so many people can identify with that, right? Like yeah. being sort of not like everybody else around you. Um mm-hmm. and so that was what really got me about it. Uh and, and it's such a the way they depict this is so natural. It just feels like you're watching someone's life. And I enjoyed that.
1: Yeah, I really did. There's, there's, a, there's a lot to say about this movie and I want to echo like, yes, this is about, um, a, a young black man growing up in Miami who have to be gay, uh, from a very underprivileged seg- segment of the, the society and he's mixed up in drugs and all kinds of stuff. um, but I found a lot of the stuff it has to say about like the co- you know masculinity and like mm-hmm. being bullied and different is stuff that's easily to tr- easy to translate. And I found you know I, this is stuff that I continually find is like that uh, poor people around the country, white or black, have a lot in common, urban and rural, because like a lot they buy into the a lot of the same um, kind of fucked up social structures. You know, like these cut like, like like you know instead of like you know going through the process of dealing with the bully and physical abuse and like, you know, illegal and, and, uh, um, you know, not on the streets kind of way. You just bust somebody over the head. And, you know, where does that, that lead? I like really identify at that. Cause I felt like the high school I lived in, hmm. you know, like you tell a teacher that you're getting bullied. What the f- you want? You want more bullying. And the idea that <laughs> right. like you get into like the cops would be involved. If there was a fight, like there's just it just was is yeah it just didn't enter our head so like I I found myself really identifying with that and I remember at the time also like this movie's beautiful and um I've I remember at the time a lot of black folk that I follow in terms of like film criticism and filmmaking were just like really overjoyed at how well lit this movie is because that's a per, mm-hmm. that's a common complaint that like you know it's it's hard to it's hard to light black skin you know which is usually right. means I. In my career, I've never had the challenge of lighting black skin because, you yeah, know, we're just getting to the air of, of of like all black movies and all. So this this movie, the cinematographer really takes the time and some very tough, like very dark shots, like in bedrooms with that light out on the beach with the you know uh, at, at nighttime with you know underneath street lights and stuff, and everything is just well lit and mm-hmm. very uh, atmospheric like the neon, the moonlight, the street lights, everything kind of, you know, gives like a wash over things. So it's every very detailed but also can give like skin an orange hue or a purple skin or maybe even sometimes black boys look blue it turns out. Mm-hmm. Uh and I thought that stuff was gorgeous. And the thing that really took my breath away is casting. Like if yeah you, you could have told me that this had been like a link letter project uh-huh. where he had like got this kid when he was eight years old and then shut down production every eight years to film. And I would have believed it. And you can kind of see it from the movie the, the movie poster where they, you know, it's a very interesting image where they they've cut three slices of this man's face. And, you know, it's depicted as like the, the 10 or 11 year old and the 16 year old and the probably 26. I don't know how old he is. Mm-hmm. Um and it all just fits. Like it looks like one face. Um and it's astonishing. It's like it's it's really crazy. Like I I, I don't know if we should talk about that now or like in the spoiler section.
0: Um uh, I mean Because it's yeah, maybe one just, of the big magic tricks of this movie. <laughs> it is. Uh and I wasn't sure they could pull it off at some point during this movie, but they definitely did. I, I would say maybe we should kind of introduce what the movie is about and then we can talk about maybe the structure of it because that's one yeah. of the important things when it comes to that casting.
1: Yeah. Um, this is a movie about a, a, a little boy named Chiron who grows up in a poor neighborhood in Miami. Uh, his mom gets addicted to drugs and it hasn't really got, I mean, this, this feels like uh, something that could be seen in the wire, except for it's my Mi- Miami, not Baltimore. Mm-hmm. um, you know he doesn't really have anyone to look out after him until he does but he also doesn't know, you know not sure who he can trust you know like the like the feeling of uh what it must feel like to be an 11 year old with at at this end of the rope you know um and how that little boy grows up and and is formed through school and life experiences and to the man he eventually becomes and yeah. i don't know that doesn't sound especially interesting but it's it's uh it's really interesting, and, and they use like title cards in a really interesting way, almost like the way two thousand and one uses the monolith. Like every mm-hmm. time you see like a black title screen with like a Roman numeral and a, a someone's name, it's like oh we're about to see an intense leap forward in like personal growth or yeah stuff like. And I I, I thought that for sure. Yeah, these transitions and stuff. I thought that was really interesting too. Uh-huh.
0: Um, very yeah. art, artful movie. And that's the thing that impressed me about the casting is every time they did that in this three act structure here, it, I I looked at the kid and, or or I looked at the actor who was portraying that same character and I saw the kid in it, you know, I, I saw the path between this little kid, little and, and this grown man, black. And it's, yeah, it's pretty astonishing how well these actors were able to pull that off. It does. It felt like I a, a, a said,
1: a special effect. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess we can get into like the spoiler section now that uh, um, if you if you if you miss this, uh, I I highly recommend going back and see it. It reminded me um, of, you know, the the pretty the 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 Roger Ebert quote about the uh, movies being empathy engines, you know, uh, that mm-hmm. he says, like, we're all born a certain package. We are who we are. It's a sum of who we uh, where we were born how we are raised and we're kind of stuck inside that person. We can't get out of it. But movies are these empathy engines that allow us to reach out and empathize with people, find out what makes them tick, what makes them care about. And I thought this movie yeah. was, you know, cause like I said, I, I, um, uh, as you mentioned, not gay, not black, but like, I've always wondered, you know, um, like, what does certain aspects of the gay experience look like? Like, you know, what does it feel like or what does it look like if you're two boys who might be curious? How does it and, and uh, what does it feel like to flirt? You know, uh-huh. and I guess like this movie makes it seem like it's a lot like flirting with boys and girls. It's sure. just like you, you flatter and flirt with a boy about things that boys like. hmm. <laughs> but that kind of like, dude, like, you know, seeing like kind of being aware of like, oh, this person might be interested in me. Oh, they're really interested in me. Oh, my God. They got my hands out of my pants. Yeah. Like it felt, <laughs> you know, kind of kind of universal when you boil it down to that. Yeah. Uh, surprise, surprise,
0: I guess. Uh, yeah. And that's the thing, too, with these types of movies that are that are made from a semi autobiographical perspective, because I, I don't often trust film or I guess growing up in the 90s, I've been trained not to trust film that is outside of my experience. Because it's all fantasy. But then you get movies like this where you have someone who is kind of telling you what their life was like. And Mm -hmm. I start to be able to trust that a lot more, you know, and I I start to be able to feel like I understand the experience of a particular person or even a larger demographic through film. And Mm -hmm. that's that's valuable. That's where it does become an empathy engine, not just entertainment.
1: Yeah, and like some of the, like, it seems like um, a lot of the gay experiences I've seen in film and TV thus far are, like, kind of larger than life experiences. I think about like, uh, you know, the stuff we saw in The Deuce, where you had, like, these wild disco parties and you had, like, you know, the, uh, anon- you know, meeting meet at different places for anonymous sex and stuff that, like, I it didn't really connect with any experience that I've ever had, like, in, in mm-hmm. the wild party and go time and high fashion and all that stuff. And this feels like kind of, i guess like broke back mountain where it just feels like oh yeah. this is how this experience can be in uh in a form where i can like begin to relate to like mm-hmm. you know like like what is it like for me in high school and junior high to start having you know feelings for for other people um yeah. it didn't look like uh it didn't look like a swank studio 57 or whatever thing in new york city it it felt like no. you know fumbling around and being awkward and you know, being afraid that the other person is going to judge you and and not not in like even like, oh, my beat the shit out of me because they think I'm gay, but just like reject you, period. Mm-hmm. And then you have that other layer on top of it. Right. And uh, I, I just thought that was like you said, and it's it's all because because I think that a lot of a lot of what's happened, especially if you're talking about the, you know, go back 10, 20 years ago was people who probably weren't gay mm-hmm. trying to imagine what it was like or like new gay friends were trying to tell the story of a pre But, like, not really about, like, what it's like to just live and be. Yeah. And now we're getting those experiences and, like, slice pretty fine. Like, what it's like to be gay boy in a particular time in Miami. And Mm -hmm. I thought that stuff was really interesting. All right. We're going to get further into the film. But first, a quick break. All right, Jim. Here's my here's my opening question. Mm-hmm. what What did you think about the Mahershala Ali character, the 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 Juan character that's in the first act of this film?
0: Uh, I I liked that character. I think that character is a man in conflict with himself. I think he knows he's doing some bad things, um, and he still wants to think of himself as a good guy. And that kind of comes to a head and is like it's very interesting when he comes face to face with the bad things he's doing right um as personified in Chiron. Mm-hmm. so it, it, i i really liked that character i do question how someone can win an oscar because he won an oscar for this performance as best supporting actor really with okay. like 5 5 minutes maybe of screen time that's
1: like the Anthony Hopkins rule. Like he's in silence lamp for five minutes, but what a fucking five minutes. Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah. But, but I don't even know that this is the best five minutes. Like, yeah, it's a, it's a good performance. I've seen him give really good performances. I don't think he's like not deserving of an Oscar. I think he, he could certainly earn it, but this was a strange choice for me as best supporting actor.
1: Cause it's just, I, there's not a ton there. I so like I didn't know going in. I knew that this thing won the Academy Award because they're it famously you know La La Land. There's a mix-up with Warren Beatty and La La Land, and you know <laughs> two crews up on stage, and it's like I I remember thinking like you know it's all La La Land. I hadn't seen Moonlight, Moonlight. Um But I didn't I didn't know anything else about like did it win for Best Director? Did it win for the I? And when I heard that, I wasn't surprised because. I've seen Mahershala do a lot of like really big things and like impressive things. Like he's played yeah. multi-generations of people himself in Se- True Detective Season Three. Mm-hmm. Um But like that performance at the dinner table I think is worth it yeah. because it's just a real. Yeah. Like seeing him like incandesce with shame at mm-hmm. these basic questions that this little boy is answering. And he could have told lies. He could have told Half truths and flattering things, and for whatever reason, because of the moment of time, and he's he's trying to do something genuine with this kid. Mm-hmm. He's just like brutally honest with them, and it's I like I don't know, man. It just it just felt real, and like the like does to do that against sitting across the table with a real eleven year old. I think does take some some real real talent and and reserve because it'd, it'd be really easy to play that like really big
0: you know for sure yeah and the movie doesn't do that the movie the movie gives you exactly what you need in that scene and i'm i'm very impressed by that scene and i'm impressed by him in that scene i guess i was just hoping for more than like a it's scene a yeah. to be impressed by it's like it, imagine
1: but, if, if marlon brando's godfather performance was just the wedding scene and then you never see him right. again. Right. Like, did he? Would he deserve an Oscar? I don't know if he actually won him. But would he deserve an Oscar? I, I don't know. But like, you're right. We get that that kind of level of just utter reality and just like you know, catch your breath watching the scene, and then it's just yeah. gone. I actually was shocked. I thought he would be. I did too. You know, like we keep checking in and wanted to be different, and this guy'd be different, and like that, like that father figure just stepping out of the film was was a big surprise to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, it makes a certain amount of sense, right? He's a drug dealer, and they make it clear that he's dead. Um, yeah. And dead sometime between when this kid is 11 and 17 16. or whatever he yeah, is. Yeah, 17, yeah. yeah. Uh, so. um, do you think Juan
1: is a closeted gay man? Because when I said, like, you know, what is his mm-hmm. deal? Like, you got all the duality and all that kind of stuff. But, like, part of the duality is, like, where did this drug dealer in this hyper-masculine environment get all this empathy and sympathy for a kid that might be gay maybe and that that speech about black boys in the moonlight that he gave like you know the only other context we see black boys in the moonlight is is on the beach that he was talking about and it looked like kind of like maybe a gay hookup site
0: uh it could be I, I was reading more as like these were the defining moments of this kid's life um Sharon being taken to the beach by this man who who had saved him who was kind to him um, was kind of one of the big moments in his life, as was the moment on the beach with Kevin, as was. Yeah. Um, yeah, th- those, those types of moments sort of defined who he is, I think. Um, so I was reading it from that angle. I don't know. The movie, I don't think, gives you any way to know um, because it so could either. also be that this man just saw a young kid, a small kid, being bullied by a bunch of other kids and felt empathy for him and, and went to help him out.
1: I agree. And like, you know, then you'd have to be like, well, is Janelle Monet, like some kind of like beard type relationship that he worked out to kind right. of like keep the heat off of. But like, I, I do think that something, some experience in his life has given him this empathy. I don't know whether he had like a cousin that was gay or like a friend from school that was gay that enabled him. Cause like, it just feels like if a guy's just walking around uh, it'd be like your your average, like, you know, mid-20s guy walking around our hometown back in the nineties. Like if you stopped him and asked him what he thinks about gay people, it probably wouldn't have been a very enlightened answer, you know, because it's just the default thing. You know, I've never met one, never seen any, it kind of looks like crazy in TV and film. Um But like I yeah, like so what 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 broke him out of that show? I don't know what it is, but like I just thought that scene at the dinner table where him and his like, you know, he's trying to like piece his way through this conversation and then like he's looking at his girlfriend for kind of like, you know, guidance and like, you know, where to like maybe pull back a bit. Um but uh, yeah, it's uh there's so much that's kind of left to the imagination or to the inference in this film. I just kind of
0: was wondering what mm-hmm. you thought about that. Yeah. Um I don't know cuz I also see him sort of being a lot like Kevin as well. Um who I I I would maybe call Kevin by. I'm I'm not sure you know, what exactly yeah. Kevin would identify as, but, um, it, I see him like maybe when he was younger, sort of being pressured into the life he's in now. Right. Cause that's what happens to Kevin. He gets pressured into beating the shit out of Chiron by these other kids who are clearly, they're not interested in being his friend. They just want to make yeah. him do some stupid shit cause they can't. Right. They're assholes. Right. They're bullies. Um, right. Yeah. And I could see maybe, uh, Juan getting in sort of that way. Um, and just, just, you know, understanding like that was bullying and they bullied me into the life I'm in. And if this kid keeps getting bullied this way, he's going to turn out bad. Yeah. And maybe
1: also like knowing that like he got his mom addicted to drugs and, you know, uh, Someone's got to look out for this guy. Like it's he's trying to you know clean up. Uh, he's like the Exxon Valdez, and he spilled some oil, and he's trying to clean it up as best <laughs> as he can. Maybe yeah. Later on, certainly uh,
0: it's it's part that too. Yeah.
1: But I thought that was like really fascinating. The you know the you know him, I, just everything meeting meeting the guys. Mo- the the uh, chiron's mom, of course, he'd already known her before, and kind of like you know how that all went. There's just a lot of like, and I've only seen this movie one time but I feel like you watch those first 20, 25 minutes a couple of times and you would get a lot more because there's a lot of things going back and forth between the mom and him Mm -hmm. and the mom and him and that guy and and the mom's boyfriend and him and Chiron and, uh, and, uh, that, that's, that's just very, very subtle, very Mm -hmm. subtle acting. Um, but, uh, and there's also like, you know, like, uh, I thought they did a good job of showing like, like experiences you get, like, you know, because Sharon's the age, he's like eleven, twelve, like the age where you start noticing. We usually say noticing the opposite sex, but you start noticing sex, and you start like your yeah. body starts like waking up to that stuff, and like they're they're playing a game, you know, schmear the schmear I
0: guess is what what it yeah. looks like is what forget what, the, the, the name way to say it like get down get up or something I think was. The game. Oh, is that
1: what that was? Because I thought it was just playing. So. You know, the like you 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 grab the ball and it's 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 essentially a game that uh, yeah, yeah like I said has a very rude name, but like it's essentially football without rules. It's like you, whoever's got the ball, you tackle them. Mm-hmm. It's fun and it's violent, but also you're rubbing a lot of boy bodies together. <laughs> boy and bodies, yeah. Boy, yeah. No, I was gonna say boys, but I <laughs> switched to bodies. But yeah, boy bodies. You're rubbing a lot of boy bodies together. I'm that's not true. gonna I'm not gonna mince words. That's what the <laughs> that's what the game's all about. And you give it a the homophobic slur name, so you feel feel good about rolling around with the boys uh rubbing your bodies against each other, I guess. Yeah. Um, but you know, you saw like uh you, you you get to like uh the second one, you know, where he goes from little to Shyron. Mm-hmm. and you see he's in high school, but then you're thinking, oh, maybe he's gotten a little you know um, a little leg up in his his social situation, but he ha- he hasn't got the exact same problems. He's still running from bullies um he's his mom's gotten even worse where she's like you know and i've been trying to hide her addiction and taking like shameless advantage of the kid mm-hmm. um
0: and uh yeah i i fell for him in these scenes in particular because man it's messy like you said figuring out your sexuality and and how to navigate that uh i i remember it it's been almost 20 years for me but like yeah, that's a messy time in your life, and I didn't even have the extra complication of being gay, or n- not even just being gay, but like being ostracized for your sexuality. Right? Mine that's the was in line yeah. with the quote unquote norm. So like, yeah, like, like figuring that having out having
1: to like come out as straight. You yep. know, like if, right. if people were waiting for you to like declare something, your your fa- parents are nervous about it. Like you know, it's like that's yeah. that's something that like you if when you're in the society default, you don't have to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, also that the uh, you know the masculinity because you know this kid, this they beat the. Th- there's such a contrast. This is one of those movies that has a huge contrast between very beautiful things and very awful things. Mm-hmm. Um, like them those boys forcing Kevin to beat the shit out of Chiron and then them all jumping him and just you know fucked him up. And the teacher, I thought that was another really cool detail uh, of like how you can disassociate. Like there's this social worker guidance counselor principal trying to reach him. Mm-hmm. And as she's like, you know, he hears all the things that she says are kind of vaguely accusatory, trying to like, you know, wake him up. But as she tries to start actually helping him that, that her voice gets quieter and quieter and quieter until he can't even hear her anymore. Yeah. And all I he can hear is like, um, I thought that was a really interesting detail. Like that, like he's just tuning out all the things that, 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 that she was saying that could possibly help because she's trying to get him to press charges. She's like, I can't, Mm -hmm. you know, I got a mom here. If you're not willing to press charges and he's like, think, you know, trying to see like how the code of conduct, how the masculine code of conduct works, doesn't do it. But it's interesting that he comes back and retaliates against this kid, beats him down. And that kid, the hyper masculine one that's enforcing the sexuality, apparently Either doesn't mind snitching or has parents that, like, what the fuck? Some of you B- know, we're pressing charge because this kid, this Chiron goes to jail, goes to Juvie,
0: yeah, yeah. And I think, I think when he gets out, they move to Atlanta. Is that right? Uh, I th- no, well, he gets shipped to Atlanta as part of the prison system. He I does, think, okay, what they say. okay.
1: I wasn't but sure, but I thought that was. That's so interesting that kid like, you know, uh, it felt like L- Lex Luthor at the Legion of Doom, you know, acting all hard. And then Superman knocks on the door and he's like, call the cops, uh-huh. you know, because um, <laughs> like, yeah, that's like you know, this whole mask in the paradigm was 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 bullshit.
0: Yeah, no, I, I hate it. Uh, I hate seeing people like that. Uh, this this bully is just the worst. He's the worst. Did you bring bringing yeah. people into. It's not even that he's he's bullying himself. I mean, he is, but then he's got to bring other people in to do his dirty work for him. And fuck oh, the that.
1: manipulation!
0: Yeah. of Kevin was like, like "Hey, really I'm your gross. friend. You're cool. We're cool." And then, and you can see it. You can see it from the jump, right? Like he sits down at the at the lunch table with this kid and is like acting all buddy buddy with him. And then when he walks away, he's like, he grabs his juice and says, "You shouldn't drink that. It'll it'll fuck you up or whatever." Yeah, he's just fucking stealing from him right there he's just like acting like his friend and then he's backhanded taking shit from him like man fuck and that there's guy. a
1: couple of context things I because I, I kind of got the idea and this might be the whole like you know is Juan perhaps gay or has some experiences being gay I also got the idea that he knew Kevin had had some gay inclinations too, maybe as maybe a result of this jump game mm-hmm. and he was kind of intimating that and like so now Kevin like his masculinity is being threatened and he has mm-hmm. to, you know, beat up a beat up Chiron or he's going to yeah. be labeled the, the F slur just like he is. And, you know, You're that's right. like, uh, and that, that's like, that makes it like, um, I guess we should go to the next, uh, the, the next sequence, uh, the third part black okay, where, 'Cause like when you see the little kid, little kid Chiron, the teenage kid Chiron, it's like, well, that's the same kid. Uh-huh. That's the same skinny kid with the big eyes and a sad face and mm-hmm. they got the same basic structure. And reserved, yeah. We we go to grown Chiron and he looks like fifty fucking cents. Yeah. Like this guy is built. He's like thick as hell. He looks strong. <laughs> he looks tough.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Uh he is not like, you know, like the the, the like um little uh chiron's talked, you know worried about being soft all he this kid this guy is not going to be ever accused of soft mm-hmm. but i i also thought like i don't see it this is not this is not chiron and yeah. the the most impressive thing this film does is when kevin calls him and gives him a sincere apology for, Mm. I mean, it's brief and it's like, you know, doesn't say that, but it's like essentially just unequivocal man that was fucked up. And I'm sorry. I did that to you. It's that stereotypically
0: masculine apology, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. But it's, it's more than most people. It's more than a lot lot of people get. And it instantly brings that 50 cent guy back to that 11 year old with the face, like, like his face withdraws and shrinks. It's insane.
0: It's insane. What, what they do. Yeah, that's a crazy good performance. I think if anybody deserved uh, an Oscar for this, it might be that dude. I'm kind of
1: surprised he didn't for lead. Like, okay, give uh, Mahershala the
0: supporting, but like,
1: I I mean, just for, if you're going to give Mahershala an Oscar for that dinner scene, then mm. you got to give it for this guy for the instant transformation from tough as nails, dude, to
0: 11 year old kid. I would Uh, think so. Um, His name's Trevante Rhodes. I I need to look up mm. if he was actually nominated cause he might've been nominated. Uh, actually, no, he, he wasn't nominated. Hmm. All right. Well, that, that sucks for him. Cause I thought he was amazing. Uh, yeah, the, the transformation, um, and I really like the way that they let you in on how that transformation existed, right? Like he, it goes all the way back to when he was little, uh, Kevin came up to him and said, you can't be soft. Like, and then they rolled around and wrestled and he was like, yeah, I knew you weren't soft. And so when he had an opportunity to get away from everything else, get away from the people who knew him as little, who knew him as this quiet, uh, you know, shy gay kid, he rebuilt himself entirely. And he tells Kevin that like, I, I, you know, when I went to Atlanta, I started from the ground up and I just rebuilt a person. And yeah. you can tell he built a person that was influenced by everything he thought he should have been, yeah. and all it's not lessons. him. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He took all those lessons of toxic masculinity and just poured them into a mold, and out comes black. Uh, yeah, it's fucked up, but uh, you you totally understand how he gets there, and I think that actor just nails it both sides of it. Right when that when that uh, surface cracks. And you see through it, and you see little. You see Chiron in there. Yeah, he's incredible.
1: And I think that they're like I, I talked about these uh, title sequences being kind of like the monoliths in two thousand one. Like you, you, it's it's astonishing. You see this kid wake up, and he's he's uh, this this new re- rebuilt individual. And there's this great wonder where he goes in his car and picks up his buddy, and he gets in the side door, and like it, like I, I don't know how they filmed it. It seems like. The door would get in the way of the camera's POV, uh-huh. but I thought that was pretty impressive. And you know, he's listen, um, and then you hit the title card, and the first thing that happens is Kevin calls. Yeah, hey, I haven't talked to you in a long time. Yeah, it's like, a, uh man's really you know that that stuff about that happened way back the the last time we th- we saw. It, it's like I think about that all the time, and it's really messed up, and I'm sorry that happened. Mm-hmm. Then. He starts thinking his mom calls, you know, like uh, he's been up Atlanta for a while. Y'all come see your mom. And those are two like pulls back home. Yeah. And his mom hits him up with another unequivocal apology. Like she's got her life together. Another great scene where it's like I've 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 seen this written by someone who's never lived it. I think (laughs) Uh uh, where it's like the you know, the the, or or maybe of a person that hasn't like actually done the work. But, like, you usually see this and the mom just like, you know, it's like, well, you know, stuff was fucked up, but uh, I'm your mother and I love you and all that. And, but, like, I really like the grace that she gives him where she's like, I, you probably can't hear me say this and you might not believe it and you might not trust me. And, and I didn't have the love for you that I have now when, I, when, I, when you needed it. But like, you know, just unequivocally not make excuses. Just like I fucked up as a parent and I love you and I, I wish I'd done better and I, I, I can't go back and fix it now. But we could that, like both of those things, those twin things of these two people from his past that have deeply wounded him and made him do all these maladaptive things. You know, this guy's like super hard. He's uh, but also very walled off, like something consistently through this movie is Sharon is just lonely. Yeah. Um, Doesn't open to anybody and he finally meets Kevin at dinner and that's this is a long sequence like you know like there's it, like they spend a lot of time together just kind of talking around the issue and when Sharon 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 finally says like you're the first person that's ever touched me and you're the first person I've ever touched i think it's the first like confession that he's made or like some some kind of like vulnerability he's shown in the whole the whole movie um mm-hmm. and uh the movie builds up that movement beautifully and that's kind of the end of the movie, you know, like that, that breakthrough, that, that little bit of evolution in his character. Um, and yeah, Yeah, it's,
0: it's it's beautiful. That was an interesting line to me because I thought that Juan had almost got there with, with Chiron. It was, it was like if Juan had not been selling drugs to his mom, I think he would have been like that sort of father figure. Um, Although I think Chiron does still take a little bit away from his experience with Juan, right, I think that is a defining yeah. moment in his life with the the water and learning to swim and mm-hmm. um and the way that Juan describes it um about you know living in Cuba and um this being the water being sort of a like a branching point um or or like the duality of the water right like being right you know one thing but also another it's I think that does affect him but he can't quite get there he can't you know Juan doesn't touch him because he's just like sell- he's doing this terrible thing in his life and eventually Chiron realizes that and and abandons him right he just that that scene at the dinner table or the lunch table breakfast table whatever it is he just gets up and walks away when he's like mm-hmm. uh you know you sell drugs right and you're selling drugs to my mom And he gets up and he walks away, and it's like a powerful moment. But yeah, I I do think Juan was close to that for him, but didn't quite get there because of, you know, his age at the time and the things he was doing.
1: And I think you also the movie gives you a little bit of like maybe Juan. I mean, obviously Juan kept up those bridge building exercises and did a lot of good for Sharon. And then Mm -hmm. when he died, that left you know suddenly he was like. Back to like, you can see him trying yeah. to use Juan's ex, or I, I guess widow, or Teresa, whatever. Yeah. Teresa as that's that try to find stability. And you can tell, like, you know, she's got, oh, it's all love and pride in this house, blah. And that's like, like what he needs. Mm-hmm. But then the bullies get a hold of him, and like realize that he's using that. It's like, it's just like fucking sharks with blood in the water. Like, yeah. realizes that's a crutch he's using or that's something that's positive and they take it from him, you know? Mm-hmm. um But, but yeah. And I, and I wonder, like, yeah, I wonder what would have happened if he, like, if uh, Juan had been, like, just a middle class guy, like, you know, just a, a guy who ran a bodega in the neighborhood or someone who, like, you know, worked at the factory or had mm-hmm. a union job and didn't have to be like, yeah, I sold your mom drugs. I'm the one right. who turned your mom into a monster. Like, what would it have that, Like, you know, like Bunny Colvin from The Wire. If that had been who Juan was. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's still somebody he needed, and i you, when mm-hmm. you when you see him when you see a uh, man version of of uh sharon um he's just like a such a such a carbon copy of juan, yeah. you know like that, sure. I think that shows you like what the huge influence he had on him mm-hmm. but a uh, lot I, of things with water, oh go ahead, I'm oh, sorry. Yeah. i I was funny. gonna
0: say one other thing about the transformation of that character from black to Sharon um, is the 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 grills, the fronts, I whatever, I don't know what they're called that you put on your teeth, uh-huh. these gold uh, platings on his teeth uh-huh. and how he pulls those out to eat his dinner, which I, I assume you just have to do. But also, yeah, there's a transformation right. that happens there, right? Like he shows up as black and then when he takes those out, like he's that's that's almost removing the shield, the barrier between him and who he actually is.
1: I mean, yeah, like, I think they are called fronts, but that's, like, it's an interesting
0: Yeah, the parallels. Because
1: it's a a front. It's literally a front front that he's putting on uh, that he takes off to to show some vulnerability. Yeah, I like that. Um, There's a lot of stuff about water. Um, You know, Miami's uh, famous for its beaches, and, you know, everywhere you go, you kind of, you know, you can smell the, the, the sea breeze and probably hear the ocean and... Um, the swimming thing was a big, uh, it was, a was a big metaphor, uh transformational kind of metaphor. And then there's that, the great line that he has with Kevin when he's on the beach and uh I forget how they got talking tar- about like whether they've ever cried before. And mm-hmm. Chiron says that sometimes he cries so much. He thinks he's just going to turn to water and roll out to sea. Yeah. Um, and then adult Chiron will only, only drinks water. Mm-hmm. um, probably you know history of addiction in your family probably good call Sharon. yeah uh, and
0: uh, when he's little during the little section of this movie he's also filling a bathtub with with buckets of water that he's heated heat up, on the, up on the
1: stove because they don't have hot water uh um, yeah. yeah yeah i'm not sure how at all i mean water obviously that's like uh you know like a, a very deeply architectural kind of thing in human history. Like for something that's changeable, malleable, um, mm-hmm. clearly they're playing. I, I'm not, I, I gotta say, I don't understand fully the metaphor there, but like you can definitely tell that that's what they're hinting at. Some kind of metamorphosis change transition from one thing to another liquid, for solid sure. gas, that kind of stuff. Uh, there's three phases of matter that water can go through. And there's three phases that this young man goes through. I think that's all there. But like, again, it's, it, it it all works. It all works as a metaphor. That like you know, uh, usually movies that that are trying to engage a metaphor at that level are a lot more showy about it, or more, a lot more pointed. And yeah. this is just kind of like it's it's just a just a kind of theme that underlines everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what else to say about the film. I've already praised the lighting because like that's the thing that the uh, I I think this this film is beautifully lit, especially with some of the. Uh, nighttime scenes uh and i uh, just i just y- yeah like it, this is this, this film is living proof that like it you know, it might be challenge or it might be it might be a different kind of challenge to light black skin versus white skin but lord it can be done yeah <laughs> and it can sure. be done well where it doesn't and it didn't look like they're like I, I was wondering like when they sat down at the the the, the beach scene it's like is this going to feel like they just have a spotlight on these guys sitting in the dark, but it didn't, it felt like a night scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, just, you could see everybody, you could see everyone's expression, the lines in their face. And, um, it's pretty remarkable.
0: Yeah. The cinematographer got, uh, nominated for an Oscar. He didn't win actually La La Land, you know, aside from not winning best picture, it did win a lot of awards that year. Um, and that was one of them. Yeah. I'm not a big, I I saw La La Land. I'm not a
1: big fan of La La Land. um, Mm. And now that I've seen both of these films, like it seems a shame that La La Land got stole any, 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 any Oscars from this film. Cause I just think it's, this is heads and shoulders. Like La La Land had a little bit of fun, but even, even in terms of musicals, it's like pretty a dour uh, in terms of musicals. Anyway, I thought it was a pretty, pretty dour affair. And it was just kind of undermined by the fact that the two leads, not great singers and dancers. Um, but I know, I've I've heard all those, that's, that's <laughs> the point and all that. I just, yeah, I I, I feel like Moonlight's a better film, and I can't believe it's taken me five years to see it. Uh, what do about have anything else? To, what about best original score?
0: Because La La Land beat uh, Moonlight in that regard, too. Ah, uh, okay, I'll give it that. Okay, is a musical? <laughs> Alright. Like, if you can't get best original score as a musical, right. then, like, just fucking hang it up, right? Yeah. You know? For sure. Uh, this was a pretty successful movie, though. I I don't know how many uh, people went to actually see it, but um, it was made on like a $4 million budget at at the top end of the estimates on that. Um, And it made like $65 million. So successful. I mean, that's what
1: happens when you, I guess you use mostly you, you get Mahershala Ali for five minutes and then you, the rest of the film is mostly, uh, and you, you, you get, uh, Naomi Harris for about five or ten minutes, and the rest of the movie is relatively unknowns. They're doing just like yeah. amazing work. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I thought this movie was a really uh, not fun watch. It was just a really rewarding watch, and it was an easy watch. Uh, it's, it's. I don't think it's over two hours. I didn't actually look at the running time. I um, don't think so either. But it didn't feel like one of those mammoth three-hour things that kind of wear you out. It just like no. was really snappy, and the chapters of the guy's life went smoothly one for another. And again, like mm-hmm. if for no other reason, this film is worth watching just to see how well these three young men work together to play this one character. Mm-hmm. Like it's, and and you won't believe it in the third act. Like you you won't think this is going to be seamless. But it really is. Yeah, it really is. How what a great job he's doing. Ape and the 11 and, and 17 year old version of himself. Uh, It's a great movie. It's it's mm-hmm. justifiably lauded. It's, and it, uh, I'm glad we finally got the chance to
0: see it. It keeps up like I, I would say a 50 50 hit and miss rate on a 24 movies for me. Like they're they're, you yeah, know, we spotty, that, but a
1: little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I really um, like this one. Next week, we're uh, actually—I don't know what we're doing next week. We're starting something a little different. Where periodically, we're going to um, let—we got a polling feature on Patreon. We're going to let certain uh, segments of our patron supporters select from a list of movies that we provide. Me and Jim are like, these three movies seem like fun, and we would be interested in talking about them. And uh, you know, which which one do you guys want us to focus on? And then the losers will put back into uh, some kind of some kind of list. We got this massive. Like thousands of rows long spreadsheet of movies that we kind of went through and curated as stuff that we'd be interested in and there there's stuff that we're just personally interested in have a good good fond memories of, or things that were winning Oscars that year or things that made the most money. So like we got a big old list and we like to randomly pull names out of that and and now we're gonna bring them some patrons into that selection process. So if you are a patron, check out your email address. That's where you, I, I think, I think uh, if, if you're signed up for it, you get email notifications when these things get posted or go to patreon.com slash bald move and uh, check out the latest member post. You should be able to find it in there. And uh, if you're at the appropriate tier, have your, have your vo- vote counted. Uh, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, thank you uh, for listening to the podcast. We'll be back with another prestige film selected by our patrons
0: in the weeks ahead. Until then, I'm Aaron and I'm Jim and see ya.